You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Armand, a bottle of wine, quickly. Perhaps a 69 Merlot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Hacking Humans podcast, an occasional series we call Hacking Humans Goes to the Movies. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is my CyberWire colleague, Rick Howard. Hi, Rick. Hey, Dave. What's going on? On this show, Rick and I look at some of our favorite clips from cinema and television, clips which demonstrate some of the scams and schemes Joe Kerrigan and I talk about on Hacking Humans. We've got some fun clips to share, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message from our show sponsor. All right, we are back. And Rick, I have to say, when I was looking through the show notes and I saw the clip that you selected for this week's show, I got a big smile on my face. <laughs> uh, I think for nerds like us, <laughs> you and I, it. and I say, this is I, I say that in the most, af- yeah, in the most affectionate way, it doesn't get much better than this clip. So <laughs> what do you got for us here, my friend? Well, I am in total agreement, David. And my clip this week is from the 1982 movie Star Trek The Wrath of Khan, arguably the best Star Trek movie in the franchise of 13 movies. And I'm going to die <laughs> on that particular nerd hill. I look forward yeah. to your cards and letters. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> it's uh, it was directed by Nicholas Meyer, probably most famous for this movie and another in the franchise, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, nine years later. And in this scene, we have a perfect example of a failed Starfleet identity and access management program and a less than well thought out zero trust strategy deployment. Captain Kirk, the commander of the USS Enterprise, played by the indomitable William Shatner, is trying to take control of another Starfleet's vessel's industrial control systems from the USS Reliant because Kirk's nemesis, Khan, played by the fabulous Ricardo Montalban, in a sneak attack has crippled the Enterprise's combat and navigation systems. So in this clip, you're going to hear from Christy Alley. She plays the Vulcan Lieutenant Savick. Judson Scott, Ricardo Montalban's number one, a small bit from George Takai playing Sulu, the Enterprise's navigation and weapons officer, and the late great Leonard Neboy, Kirk's science officer. So let's play the clip. You still remember, Admiral. I cannot help but be touched. I, of course, remember you. What is the meaning of this attack? <laughs> Where is the crew of the Reliant? Surely I have made my meaning plain. I mean to avenge... Does he look fabulous? Come on, that he is does. amazing. I deprive your ship of power, and when I swing around, I mean to deprive you of your life. But I wanted you to know first who it was who had beaten you. Come. If it's me you want, I'll have myself beamed aboard. Spare my crew. I make you a counter-proposal. I'll agree to your terms if, if, in addition to yourself, you hand over to me all data and material regarding the project called Genesis. 
Genesis is the MacGuffin that they're all fighting for in this movie. Intelligence. Right. Give me some time to recall the data on our computers. I mean, it's really the give you plot of the next movie, right? Yeah, it is. So Kirk's looking around his crowd, his crew on the bridge. Tells everybody to get the off the bridge. pretty beat up, too, right? Yeah, like it's smoke. And, came at him. Yep. At least we know he doesn't have Genesis. Keep nodding as though I'm still giving orders. Let's seven. Punch up the data charts of Reliance Command Console. Reliance Command? Hurry. Four to five seconds. The prefix code. It's all we've got. Fabulous so we got a time limit here. <laughs> yes, we do. Admiral, we're finding it. Admiral, please, please, you've got to give us time. The, the bridge is smashed. The computer's inoperative. Time is a luxury you don't have. Oh, the way Kirk plays a haphazard captain, he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's putting on his glasses to read the code. Admiral. It's coming through now, Cop. Just buying time. Reliance coming around to fire the next Reliance shot. Prefix number is 16309. I don't understand. You have to learn why things work on a starship. Each ship has its own combination code to prevent an enemy from doing what we're attempting. Using our console to order Reliant to lower her shield. Assuming he hasn't changed the combination. He's quite intelligent. Fifteen seconds, Admiral. Khan, how do we know you'll keep your word? Well, I've given you no word to keep, Admiral. In my judgment, you simply have no alternative. I see your point. Stand by to receive our transmission. Soon, lock phasers on target and await my command. Phasers locked. Time's up. Admiral. Here it comes. Now, Mr. Smith. They're entering the five-digit password. Sir, our shields are dropping. Raise them. I can't. Where's the override? The override. Fire. Oh, yeah. Fire! The Enterprise dealing some justice here. <laughs> fire! Fire! We can't fire, sir! Why can't you? They've damaged the photon control and the warp drive. We must withdraw. No! Sir, no! We must! Enterprise, wait. She's not going anywhere. Excellent. Okay. Well, that is some good movie making there, Dave. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, Rick, do you uh, follow the theory that all of the even numbered Star Trek movies are good and the odd number ones are not? Have you I, heard that one? I have heard of it and I, I'm not going to argue against it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, it doesn't get much better than this. And I have to say that when you have two actors like. William Shatner and Ricardo Montalban yeah. simultaneously chewing on the scenery. Yeah. <laughs> right? All you need is Christopher Walken and uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, rip a, a hole in the space-time continuum. But uh, 
This is so good. It's so su- such a great movie. Unpack it for us here. What's going on from a security uh, point of view? Well, I got three things to note here. Well, so ultimately, the good guys won here, but you know the Federation's infosec program is you know not that good. I'm afraid. Okay, so <laughs> you know first. It has a flawed zero-trust policy that allows every ship's captain to possess the password to every other ship in the fleet. Uh, that's probably not a very good idea. Why do they need that? That definitely does not follow, you know, the need-to-know idea of zero-trust. <laughs> okay, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I never thought about that till I took this job, all right, and looked at that clipping and went, oh, that's definitely not for zero-trust. <laughs> And we've already talked about the security policy for the Federation that allows five-digit passwords. I'm just saying. Right. Even, even at N2K, we have a nine-digit password policy. Right? And so— And, and, and <laughs> at a minimum. And this is five digits. This is just numeric. Yeah. Digits, yeah. No special letters. No, le- no other letters. <laughs> just numbers. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Highly secure. Uh, right. and, and then finally, some 260 years in the future from today, according to Google's bar.google.com, I looked it up, okay, we are still using passwords, uh, and that's just depressing. I'm just going to say, you know, you, you would think that in a world of warp drives, transporter beams, and the Vulcan mind meld, we'd have figured out something better by now than a five-digit password to secure the Federation's space fleet. Gee whiz, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's no wonder they got their butts handed to them by the Borg. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I, I was reading some trivia about the movie, you know, we were talking about uh, Ricardo Montalban and William Shatner. Because of the way they mm-hmm. did these scenes, they were never in the room, same room together. They were speaking to each other through view screens from each ship. So they they were acting by themselves in an empty room. And then they put it all together for the movie. So that's a shame. I can't imagine how even better the whole movie would be if those two guys were on the same set and, you know, reacting to each other. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder, you know, this movie was made in 1982, right? Yeah. Uh, same summer that Razor the Lost Ark came out. Yeah. Good summer for movies. <laughs> My goodness, yeah. We were so spoiled. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, when you look at the state of where we were with computers. So we're still in the leading edge of the 8-bit computer era. Mm -hmm. Most people's computers aren't hooked up to anything resembling a network. You might have a 300 or 1200 baud modem. Maybe, yeah. Chances are there is nothing on your computer that is password protected. No. There's no login on your computer. You power it up, you know, basic pops up, and you you start going through your floppy drives. (laughs) You thought you were so, fancy back then if you got to the command line and did a dir command, you know, a directory command. Right. <laughs> so is this for its time, would a viewer of this have considered it to be advanced technology? Oh, of course. Okay, that's the, that's what's fun about coming back to these movies so many years ago, right? Yeah. But I think the dichotomy, though, is that they're, for a science fiction show, they can dream up, you know, warp drive. Okay, and, and oh, we're going to be able to travel fast or almost faster in light speed, but they put no thought into the uh, actual security part of it. Oh, we're going to we're just going to do what we're doing today. I just I just love that. Okay, it makes it even yeah. more charming. Okay, for, as a movie. <laughs> yeah, what is the they call it? Uh, yesterday's view of tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's very good. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, it doesn't get much better than that. And and now that I'm thinking about this, I probably should have let you go second. Uh, because <laughs> No, no, your clip. I love your clip, okay? There's some great people in this. I can't hardly wait to talk about it. <laughs> okay. So my movie this week, uh, this is a film uh, called Heartbreakers. And this is a 2001 it, it, Wikipedia calls it an American romantic crime comedy. Okay. So that's a blend, yeah. right? What is that? <laughs> uh, directed by David Merkin, uh, starring Sigourney Weaver, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ray Liotta, Jason Lee, and the great Gene Hackman. Wow. What a, yeah. what a cast. My goodness. It, it, yeah. There's a small uh, appearance by Anne Bancroft. Evidently, this was the, her last film appearance before she passed away a couple years later. Wow. Um, I was not aware of this film. I wasn't and, either. Uh, it got mixed reviews, and Roger Ebert loved it. Well, he gave it three out of four stars and said uh, basically that the film accomplishes what it sets out to do, which is to make you laugh as a comedy. And I think that I could see why that happens. Uh, but let me dig into what, what this is about. So... Uh, this is about a mother-daughter con artist team, uh, and and that's Max and Paige Connors, and that's the couple played by Sigourney Weaver. She plays the mom, and Jennifer Love Hewitt is her daughter. And so they are serial con artists uh, and very often ripping off unsuspecting men. <laughs> uh, the movie starts out with uh, Sigourney Weaver's character at her wedding, Ray Liotta's wedding and uh, quickly they set up uh, her catching him in a compromising position with the Jennifer Love Hewitt character who Ray Liotta doesn't know is her daughter and she's in a disguise and you know, all these things happen. Um, but throughout the movie they're pulling cons and so I want to start off, I've actually got the three different clips from this film that, that I'm going to share here. This first one is pretty short uh, this, in this clip, we start off, we see the two of them, the mother and daughter, they're in a restaurant and we join them. They've been having a conversation here and we see that Sigourney Weaver's character, she's pulling a ashtray off the table, wrapping a napkin around it, a cloth napkin, and she's about to hit it with the heel of her shoe. And we, we join them when that's in action. They're in a fancy restaurant. She breaks the ashtray and she sprinkles the glass on her <gasps> oh dinner plate. Oh, my Lord. Ew. Oh. What seems to be the problem, madam? Well, I was just about to take a bite and I saw glass. Look. I am so sorry, ma'am. This has never happened. Oh. Uh, of course, your meal is a complimentary. Armanda, a bottle of wine quickly. Perhaps a 69 Merlot. Perfect. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> so not only does she get, do the two of them get the free meal, but she gets a, what I'm assuming is a premium bottle of uh, wine as well. <laughs> yeah, I have seen that particular con in lots of movies, right, where they, they, they throw something into the food and then claim that it's so bad they need a replacement. So that's a good one. That's a nice trope right. to go to, yeah. I wonder how often do restaurants have to deal with that? Like, you know... I, I found a bug in my food once. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever found a piece of glass. 
Yeah, the glass seems extreme, and she put the whole thing in there, right? It wasn't like one or two right. pieces, right? So that seems really odd, okay? But right. I, I, hmm. You know, I'm one of those uh, rule followers, Dave. So I would, <laughs> I would never do that, right? Because I knew right. I would get caught. That's the only reason I'm a rule follower is because I know I'm going to get caught. I wouldn't have the uh, the gumption to do what they do here. So I guess restaurants yeah. deal with this all the time. I guess so. Uh, there's another scene right after this in in the uh, YouTube clip we're going to share where the two of them are walking through a hotel lobby and they pull off a slip and fall scam. Um, where Sigourney Weaver actually trips uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character who then falls on the floor. And after she falls on the floor, Sigourney Weaver has a little bottle that she sprays a bunch of water on the on the marble floor of the hotel lobby to oh. make it seem as though the hotel was negligent. So they'll come after them. But the, the main part of this story involves a character played by Gene Hackman. And he is an elderly executive with a tobacco company and he is a chain smoker and uh, he's always got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and uh is talking about all the great things about smoking and how how sexy it is when women smoke and how they're trying to um how how important smoking is for a child's development, you know, things like that. <laughs> so uh, what happens is Sigourney Weaver's character, she basically, they they plot a, um, a Black Widow scheme against this gentleman, right? So she, the plan is she's going to marry him. He's wealthy. He will then die. I assume they're going, you know, they'll come up with some way to bump him off and then they will get all of his money. Mm-hmm. As you do. So she pretends to be Russian. She adopts the persona of a Russian woman. And in this next scene, she and Gene Hackman are in a Russian restaurant together. And the Russian waiter comes to serve her a meal, but she doesn't actually speak Russian. So I'm going to play the clip here. She's eating, enjoying the meal. I love to watch a woman eat. It is surely one of the most sensual acts. Here comes the waiter. Yes, it is secret. It was really very sick. The waiter knows he doesn't get it. Yeah. Right, so the waiter senses she doesn't speak Russian because all she says is da. So the waiter says something just crass to her. Da. And she says, yes, yes. It's such so, joy to hear my native tongue again. I deeply appreciate what you say and uh, what you don't say. Hmm? So she hands the waiter a wad of money, probably a $20 bill or something like that, and basically gives him the message, hey, beat it, you know, clam up, don't ruin this for me. I, and the waiter knows what's up. I love this because she's trying to pull this off that she speaks Russian. She's halfway through it. And then she realizes that the waiter is on to her. And she changes right. gears on the fly and figures out a way to get him out of there without uh, letting the, uh, the cat out of the bag to Gene Hackman, which is sitting, what, two feet from her, right? Just right. amazing, okay? Amazing. Totally cool, yeah. right? Totally cool. Yeah. Clearly had done something like that in her past, yeah. (laughs) Right. So the last scene I'm going to share here, uh, this is where 
uh, Gene Hackman gives her a gift, and uh, we'll we'll take it from there. They're 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 back at Gene Hackman's house, and she is taking a nap. And Gene Hackman comes up to her with a gift, and I think at first she's hoping that the gift is an engagement ring, but it turns out it's a cigarette lighter. Open. Open. Gene with a cigarette in his mouth again. I have a gift for you. A gift? A gift? Oh. <laughs> Oh, a personnel fire device. <laughs> I'm not insisting you take up smoking, but I thought it would give you some incentive. There is nothing sexier than smoke billowing proudly out of a woman's hot red engorged nostrils. <laughs> that image will haunt me. <laughs> Oh, no. No, it was another... So they're walking up the steps in his house now. I think that I deserve a a big kiss for that big gift. Oh, yes. He takes a big drag on his cigarette. Which is very sexy. Oh. He blows the smoke in her face. Oh, oh, no. We mustn't... uh, God is everywhere. Yes, he is, isn't he? Nosy bastard. Mm. <laughs> and I'll um, have Miss Madras get your purse. So Hackman leaves, and we see uh, his live-in maid. Is he that repulsive to you? No, he's, he's a Russian expression of happiness, Boy, boy, I am so happy. Save it. I'm on to you. You are uh, attracted to me. Oh, flattering, but I know the females. I've been with him for seven years. I've seen him with many women. I've never worried. Passing amusements. But you. Oh, you're good, baby. I know, understand. Uh, What is you want? I is want your ex-commie ass out of his life. I didn't put up with his crap for years just to be squeezed out right before he kicks. I put in the time and I expect a big payoff. Oh, you must believe I have true feelings for him. Oh, spare me your Bolshevik bullshit. Either you disappear or I tell him exactly what I saw. Your dark honesty is refreshing. But please, I beg you... Leave me one more night to bow out gracefully. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the uh, the maid is played by uh, Nora Dunn, who yeah. I recognize from Saturday Night Live. I was just looking Great. that up as we were playing. I know her. Who is she? Who is she? I'm glad you brought yep. that up. She's fabulous. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great comedian. Uh, and th- I mean, this movie. You look at the cast list for this. Not only are the stars that we mentioned here, but like Nora Dunn, Sarah Silverman, Zach Galifianakis, wow. Carrie Fisher, Kevin Nealon. I mean, it's just... The whole crew uh, it's, of It's a who's who. <laughs> it's a mixed bag. I mean, you can see it's a light movie. It's funny. It's silly. It's not great. But if you were looking for something entertaining for an evening, you just wanted to have a few laughs and uh, 
suspend your disbelief. Well, this may be a good film. So what, just, what do you make of this? I would just say, Dave, that, you know, I became aware of Sigourney Weaver, you know, when she did Alien back in 1979. Yeah. And for men of a particular age, like we are, okay, <laughs> that was prime, prime science fiction uh, um, uh, stuff on the movie theater screens, right? And right. And I have been in love with Sigourney Weaver ever since then. In fact, uh, my daughter and I just watched the Aliens, the sequel to it, which is still excellent, right? And uh, oh yeah. So anything that so she good. does, I'm going to be there. Okay, so <laughs> I'm with you. And and uh, as you say, Aliens, where I mean, talk about. Um, uh, setting the mold for the strong female character yeah. in a movie, the strong female lead. I mean, she certainly does that. And then, of course, Ghostbusters, um, Avatar. Um, what's the one she did with Harrison Ford where she was the boss? Um, oh, Working Women, I think. is Working Girl. Yeah, Working, working girl. girl, yeah. Yeah, Working mm -hmm. Girl. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, I mean, so many movies. But you're right. I mean, whew, phenomenal actress, but also just a beautiful woman. And, no and, doubt about it. And Gene Hackman, okay, come on, he's done some of the some of the best movies we've had in our lifetimes, Dave. Right, and he usually plays the strong, badass, you know, kick-ass kind of guy, right? And it's fun to watch him here playing this creepy old dude running a tobacco company. Who's I don't know. It's just fun to watch him, you know, stretch a little bit. So uh, totally, yeah. um, uh, I, I can see where I would love this movie. <laughs> it's one of those movies where it just seems like. Everybody's having a good time, yeah. <laughs> and to a certain degree, they're probably winking at the camera a little bit, but not too much. So, yeah, uh, totally goes. good. Good recommendation. That's a great. <laughs> that's a great pick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Again, that's Heartbreakers. It's a movie from two thousand one. All right. Well, that is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. We would love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at hackinghumans at n2k.com. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. This show is edited by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Rick Howard. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.